episode of Esoteric of the Podcast. I'm Chris Schultz. I'm Aaron Christian. And here we are, at it again. Uh, hey, check us out on esotericofthepodcast.com, where you'll find links to all the platforms you can listen to us on. Yes, all relevant content is there. Indeed. Indeed. So, um, we like to start off our episodes with a beverage review. And we've been doing uh, esoteric sodas and esoteric juices. Mm-hmm. Now that we are on the precipice, well, no longer on the precipice, but actually circling the toilet, mm-hmm. where I think we're at that like uh, no shits to give stage. Yeah. So tonight we're going to have beer. And uh, the beer I have selected for us is from Harpoon Brewery, mm-hmm. which is not a really, uh, they're pretty well known for a right. craft brewery. Right. But this is a limited run of Duncan Coffee Porter. Now, I saw this. I used to work at a grocery store that sold beer and wine. I saw this, and I was interested in how it would taste. I don't know if you've tried it already or not. But I had one, but I had many beers that night, so I don't really remember. <laughs> uh, this is leftover from that. Because this is what happens. I buy a six-pack, yeah. and I have a few, and then it's like months before I drink another. So I'm going uh, to crack it open. I had this really cool bottle opener that... Used to make Simpson sound effects, but I think the battery's dead. Ah, we'll find out. So uh, that's for you. Thank you. So there's check marks on the back here. Oh, it's like supposed to be like the side of a Dunkin' Cup. Oh, is it? Yeah, see? It's got the little uh, checks on the circles. Oh, why yeah. did I never even notice that? <sighs> Roasty, malty, smooth. Dark chocolate, espresso, brown. I, I like that. That's a nice, um, it's a nice... Touch. Yeah. It's got a good smell to it. it smells like beer. It smells like beer. Yeah. All right, well, uh, we'll do a little toast uh, yeah. to oh, the we, end of the world. Yeah, the end of the world. That's a nice sound. That was a good clink. Ooh, that's good. Mm. I like my beers dark. Ooh, that's got a nice, a real coffee aftertaste to it. Yeah, I was trying to let it sit. Usually the aftertaste is what gets me. Mm-hmm. You know, it either, it makes or breaks it. Um, yeah, it didn't kill me. Oh, yeah, there's the coffee. Yeah, yeah. That, that really hit me. Mm. The espresso kind of. Yeah. yeah. Now, I don't know, and it, there's no indication on the bottle as whether there's caffeine in this or not. We're having one, so it's not like we're going to get shit-faced. No, it's purely for the flavor of what is it like, you know? Yeah, which is, by the way, how to enjoy a craft beer. Like, yes. you're not, it's not a contest. No, it's you're not. just having one, you're enjoying the flavor. Um, that's good. So I would recommend stopping out and getting a Harpoon Dunkin' Coffee Porter while they're still available. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't have much of an opinion other than, yeah, that tastes like coffee. <laughs> that tastes yeah, like coffee? It's, it's the tail. I mean, you get a really... Uh, blunt beer flavor. I don't know how else to call it, what else to call it. And then it turns into coffee towards the end of it. It's subtle, but it's there, you know? Yeah, it's got that classic porter taste. It's a heavy, dark mm. beer, which is, like I said, I, I kind of yeah. like. Mm. All right. Yeah. Cool. So we have some special guests with us today. We have... Um, Justin Arena and Owen Korzik from Nervous. So, hi guys, how you doing? Hello. Yeah, I haven't had Pringles in forever. This is sick. 
<laughs> so um, I've known Justin and Owen for what? I've known you guys for two, three years now. Oh, it's got to be. Um, yeah. It's got to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to be. Uh, we played We played music in the same area before. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I've done that too. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Me too. So, <laughs> so wow. we're going to be reviewing you guys' album Cosmic uh, later on. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about, though, um, Nervous? You know, uh, where did Nervous come from? Um, what, what are you guys about? Just give me, give us a little synopsis. What you doing now? Well, well, Nervous, in a nutshell, uh, well, I had an old band, uh, um, and we had a member change, and we ended up changing the name to Nervous. Um, and then throughout the member change, where uh, Owen and Matt and uh kelly and natalia and um andrew. everybody are like kind of joined in andrew was with us before actually um but he got a little bit more involved when we changed our name and had a new uh lineup uh but yeah nervous is kind of like a rebranded new band that formed from the ashes of one of my like old shit bands um uh and uh that's basically it like like i've been playing music with molly uh since the beginning you know like um, I played, I've been releasing and recording music since 2013, late 2013 and around 2015, like end of 2015, Molly started playing bass with me and that's kind of the way I've done it since. Uh, so this, this is kind of like the newest, best incarnation of me and Molly playing music together. Um, and mm-hmm. that's been really fun cause like, um, I mean, everybody who tries to start a band knows how it is to not be able to find the right members for a project. And we, right. we're just lucky enough that we were able to uh, all come together and be like a project that works and be the right people for this. And that's why this record and why this band has survived and, and, and come to flourish because uh, because we're the right people. And, and that's that's kind of the basis of like why Nervous actually works, you know, in contrast to maybe other bands where you got either the wrong members together or... Um, you're just not as lucky to be together at the same time, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's kind of my my like yeah. my magnum opus about about this band is that uh, just the team, the team solid, so mm. it will survive because the team. Yeah, I yeah. I agree with the like the the members thing is definitely be a, a big thing, and I think um, I'd like to hear you talk about the the actual way we like form because that's kind of an interesting story for people. But I agree with the whole thing of like, like I'm someone who has been in so many different bands before that had lineup issues. And, um, you know, this one's been going like the best of all of them, I think. And I think it's because of the way you do. So you should talk about how it is yeah. the super group thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So basically nervous when, when I was talking about lineup and I was thinking about everything, um, there was a point where nervous was just me and Molly because our old drummer and, and me and Molly had, had parted ways. Andrew was kind of in it a little bit, just like he recorded, um, uh, horns for like our last record under that old name. And I kind of like called Andrew and I'm like, look, man, like, I'm this is going to be a whole new sound, a whole new band. And like, I want you like involved like more primarily, like, um, and he was really, he was down and I was like, look, like I want a bigger section. Like I want you to get us a trumpet player. I want you to get us some arrangements. So he found Kelly on trumpet. Um, and 
you know, TBD on the new record, working on with new, new even more arrangements, uh, new members, new players. But um, I was on tour with Matt Minigal, and how me and Matt Minigal met were we were both playing the same show at the Raven in Worcester, um, which if you haven't been to the Raven in Worcester, it's really it's a really dark uh no re-entry club in worcester uh in like the worst part of worcester and i did not have a good experience playing there i know exactly yeah and there's it's for the viewers who haven't been to the raven in worcester it's a dark venue with no re-entry with no food and it's it's a, a line of church pews in front of like a wicked rickety stage um and and i met matt there and i saw him on stage and i was like i don't know who this guy is but like i want to go on tour with him um so i went up to him after and i said let's go to california (laughs) uh and he's like yeah okay whatever and then three weeks later i sent him our my our itinerary and i was just like we're taking your car by the way and then that's how me and matt met he actually went (laughs) um and when I was on the tour with him, like, because I, I told him, I was like, you're going on tour with me. And then he did it. So I was just like, all right, when, I, when we're back, you're in my band. And he's just like, okay. And then he went to practice. <laughs> so it's like me and Matt have this relationship where I kind of like, uh, uh, like fortune cookied Matt into the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and th- yeah. And then, and then I did kind of like a similar, not, not the same, but similar thing with Owen where um, I called Owen and I was I kind of was, at 2 a.m. Yeah, I called Owen at like 2 a.m. <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, like, like, uh, like, I was wondering, like, if you want to like do some drum stuff for us." Uh, and Owen was like, "Yeah, like maybe as like a temporary, like, like almost like a fill-in, you know." And then just it, it, it wasn't temporary. It wasn't, he's not a fill-in. <laughs> yeah, I think the key thing to note though is you had developed a relationship with all of us first. As opposed to it just like jumping into the band thing before oh, getting yeah. to know us as people. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I had been playing with Owen forever. I just went on a 36-day tour with Matt. Uh, I've known Molly forever. I've known Andrew since, you know, like a good while as well. So it's like we also are, all had good chemistry together. The interesting part about Nervous is not not everybody knew each other. Everybody was there, only mutual friends with me. Mm. <laughs> like Molly didn't know either of you. Or 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 Matt very well like yeah. he, like she knew you kind of yeah we know but, of she, a, yeah and she other, never yeah. met Matt and then and, mm. and yeah like it was just I, everybody met because I dragged everybody into a room and I was just yeah. like this is happening I know it's gonna work <laughs> trust me yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah yeah and I, I remember I think you guys played um, was it December 2018 you guys did that holiday show at the uh, Puzzle Factory yeah yeah and I remember standing it was probably one of the first times you guys played too playing anything off the new album and um we had a few guys sitting around me everyone just like owen can play drums like that like <laughs> yeah this stuff's awesome you know because uh, we just seen you recording and uh we've, we've never seen you actually sit there and drum so it yeah. was it was really cool for us and um yeah. you can really see the chemistry that you guys have building that relationship in that performance so on my end coming from uh from me to you guys yeah thanks yeah and that's one of the things that i'm really excited about is we recorded that record getting to know each other or you know uh so to speak and this new record like now we have a year's worth of shows under about we've been on tour twice like across the country and we not only have cosmic under our belt but we know we know each other better and we know how each yeah. other writes better and we were able to kind of co-write it more this time 
mm-hmm. um, and we were able to play our strengths. Yeah. Um, right. And we're doing it in a more streamlined way, like with recording. So it's it's we're just taking what we did with Cosmic, and we're in such a better position to do it this time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I kind of attribute to our excitement about it. Is just, uh, you know, we did Cosmic with very little resources and didn't really know each other, and now we have more resources and we know each other yeah. better, and we've been playing. Like mus- our musical chemistry has really like evolved since then, so that's what we're excited about. You know, even the cosmic songs live. There, are, there's some parts on the new co- on the cosmic songs that we play live that are so different from the record now. Um, mm. And we would be excited. Yeah, that's yeah. Fantastic. yeah, we'd be excited to like do some sort of um, thing where like we're able to uh, capture the new versions of the cosmic songs. We haven't really talked about that yet, but that's something that mm. I've always thought was really cool with bands is when you have develop a song with live. Um, that's why I really love it when people put different versions out, like live version or, or even different arrangement. Like, uh, I'd be excited to do some with that with some of these tracks. But the th- new thing we're putting out is is all is all new shit, and we're really mm-hmm. excited. So why don't we let's shift gears just a little bit, and um, Justin, why don't you talk a little bit about um, Together Records and uh, kind of what what's that all about? I know you've talked to me about in the past this uh, do it together kind of. Um, Mm-hmm. Mantra, I'll, I'll call it. Yeah. Um, why don't you just kind of talk about what that's about and how this relates to Nervous a little bit? Well, Together Records is uh, is, is is something that I I put together and it's it's I called myself a record label for a long time and I think it still applies. But we do more. We're more of a uh, a community organizing uh, entity and a distro. And what that means is as a distro. I help promote people online and I help people with merch. So like I screen print, uh, screen print t-shirts and, uh, make buttons and CDs and just like help bands get merch and product for like cheap enough that these bands can profit the most they can. Um, you know, cause that's not a mission statement. Usually a merch company's mission statement of merch company is to, is to make money. And it's like, that's fair and fine, but that's like, um, I try to lean more side to affordability. Um, so that bands that are just starting out, especially people like me who are on a huge budget, it's like, you gotta be able to make money somehow. And I know on tours, like merch is big for me, like as, as far as sales and profit goes. So like, it's a really, really big deal for bands to be able to order, um, t-shirts from somebody be able to sell them for ten dollars and profit Mm -hmm. you know absolutely um because you end up ordering from some company and you can't profit unless you sell your shirts for 20 bucks and then nobody can buy a 20 dollar t-shirt usually you know it's like i think that's that's how it started it started with me trying to get people affordable merch and get myself affordable merch as somebody who's in a band um Mm -hmm. so that's what it needs to be a show for me it's just promoting people in our band camp releasing my friends records um, and getting people merch in an easier, local, uh, more fair trade way. Um, and as a um, community organizing space and community organizing uh, entity, uh, I organize shows abroad outside of our space. And we have um, a couple different, you know, we've had a couple different spaces since the Together Records started. Uh, so wherever that may be, you know, like we have a base space. Uh, so we've 
been based in the puzzle factory and after that got shut down we're based in chess company uh uh but you know i'll do together records organize shows at like owen's house at the barn or the waymaker house in hingham or shows in lola boston or even booking toys under the name um mm-hmm. because that's something i do as well that i don't typically advertise but i'll you know i book tours to people too um big time so yeah yeah so um, <laughs> yeah so that's that's kind of together records like origin story is i was just trying to make some merch and push my friend's stuff and uh that's what i still try to do that's kind of the name of the game as far as that entity is concerned and now i make my full-time living off of music and and t-shirts and uh in the buttons and uh people are getting their money's worth you know like i'm still i've raised my prices since i've started and i'm still the most affordable uh locally sourced um screen printing shop in a hundred miles from here you know so it feels real good to be able to get people i know affordable and quality stuff and uh know that not only they're supporting local but i'm supporting local by doing that business yeah and i and i can personally speak to that too i mean justin you helped us out so much throughout everything so uh this is also me saying thank you for that i really appreciate that and you helping us out of course, um, of course. So let's let's start. Maybe let's start getting into the album a little bit. I just wanted to uh, ask Owen too. Um, can you talk talk about um, with this album? I know we'll talk track by track, kind of like what each track's about. I know there's a lot of things going into it. Um, can you kind of talk a little bit to um, the production of it? How you guys put it together? I mean, both of you can obviously talk to this, but Owen, you spent so much time on it, and I know you had everybody you knew come into the studio and and record parts of it too. So um, you kind of just talk to that for maybe a, a minute or so and. Yeah, probably probably going to take more than a minute, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I guess starting out, I think it really started out. We were like, we're just kind of like, we want to funny in the beginning. We thought it was going to take like one month. We're just like, we want to get this out as fast as possible. We need to get these songs out. So we started, uh, we started recording in Jan, I think January of 2019. And um, we just kind of worked out because it, it was very convenient that um, both Matt and I have like home studios. So we're, we're able to do all the recording through the band. So um, we kind of like worked out a split, like where I would, um, we did like the drums and recorded the drums and bass tracks here. And then like uh, guitars and most of the vocals at his place and horns. And then uh, we also went back to my thing for like gang vocals and some other kind of flavor stuff. But like, it was like a, it was definitely like a team effort. And um, we kind of like, we were still figuring out our process at the time, but there was a lot of, you know, um, it was good that we had those, like, we had that understanding of like, there's going to be stuff in my place and stuff at Matt's and um, we were going to just collaborate on the recording process. We, we would send, you know, uh, Matt would send me a bunch of guitar tracks uh, just like, lots of them and I'd have to do a lot of like sifting through and like trying to figure out which ones fit the sound of the record and stuff like that um because we were still kind of figuring out our sound through that I think it was really fun that that Matt did it that way because we um you know we had a way we played live but I think we were still figuring out how that would apply to studio so there was definitely a lot of experimentation with the recording side and uh it ended up being an album with a lot of tracks, you know, like they're very, very big arrangements with everything. 
and also kind of because we were trying to do it really fast there wasn't a lot of time to overthink or actually take things out so it's just kind of like um you know i i had to try my best to uh you know remove anything like money mix or whatever but like the arrangements still were really really big and kind of influenced by like wall of sound productions and stuff like that so and i liked how we you know we threw gang vocals on a lot of the songs so that was that was very much like uh i think it fit the tone of the record well because i think a lot of what we're talking about the in the songs is like community and i think that really just brought it all home like just bringing like uh our own like people we know from the together records community and bringing them in for this big gang vocal session and that's just like throughout most of the record that's like a big feature as well as like the horns like having a a three horn section added in there like stuff like that um so yeah there was and um and then i also did all the mixing personally so for me that was a big phase of like i think a lot of the recordings it was really collaborative it was really like very me secluded just like hustling it out and really trying to uh, do the best best mixing I could because I knew this was like a powerful record and worth you know you know trying my best at you know so I think that that sums it up pretty much did I leave anything out really uh not you didn't leave anything out one thing to add before we forget because this applies to all of the tracks um for gang vocals because this is like a big this was like my big vision for it like I, this is something yeah. I was really gung-ho about which is um we like made an event page um, and we had like like 50 people in the barn. Just all I was invited to that. I, I didn't go, but I was invited. Yeah, we just we just went on this. We just had an event page and had snacks, and it was like basically everybody was in the barn, and we just like kept playing the parts yeah. like on loop, like eight bars on loop in the barn. And I was like, all right, we're gonna play this wicked loud. Everybody sing it like to themselves for like three minutes straight, and then we're gonna go for it. And we're doing like one takes <laughs> of all of the game yeah. vocals. So like, all right, so this part you go, ah, all right, cool. Do that for three minutes, and now we're gonna we're gonna take what like the first take. Yeah, we we we. I felt kind of bad because we what like a lot of singers were worn out by the end of those. Vocals. We did the loudest songs last, which was like a bad idea. Me. I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but uh, yeah, we were, uh, we were, uh, we had like turmeric tea or something that we were giving everybody because we, we knew we had, <laughs> <laughs> we had gone to yeah, our, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I think it was also interesting because there was enough people that people could rotate in and out of the gang. So like yeah. the, not the gang on each song isn't the same people. No, like, no. You know? there were people coming and going throughout the day. So like the people who got there later in the day are on everything and minutes and cosmic and the people who were there only earlier in the day were on like paw prints and uh 110's first yeah. part and yeah. like scary you know like, yeah. like people were flowing in and out so like it was impossible yeah. for us to know who was on what right <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting how they came out too it's like it, it to me and it ended up, ended up sounding like like such a group of people that i i almost there are very few moments in the record where i can pick out a particular voice in the gang but one thing we had a couple people kind of do features on top of the gang while yep. they're here so mm -hmm. like uh like brian fitzgerald did some like extra yells and like scarecrow and then like 
Kyle Wilson did something on minutes and um, Trevor on everything. Yeah, Trevor on everything is the biggest Trevor one. We, we, we yeah, we gave him like a like a close mic track to really like join in with all three of yeah. us. So we almost so. had like leaders uh, vocally on each track, um, and we'll talk about the more track by track. But yeah, uh, yeah, we had like leaders. I really was really interested in the game vocal process because I really a lot of my favorite albums of all time um, have like really strong like choral like like beautiful like huge arranged vocals but you can tell that they're not like real chorus people you can tell they're just like alternative like uh like yeah. younger people who aren't vocally trained and that's like mm. really important to me is representation with people yeah. who aren't type aren't like professionally trained vocalists like just fucking wailing it and like giving it their yeah. all and it sounds like like yeah. so triumphant it worked yeah. awesome too because even though we kind of we we didn't like prepare our gang in advance we just we we yeah whoever fucking yeah. showed up <laughs> yeah whoever showed up we're, we're like we're gonna loop the song tell you your part and then uh people would go for it but you know we had a bunch of musicians that would pick harmonies but it's like we're not like you know we're not trying to be our all choral about it it's just like yeah. we're all musicians with our own unique kind of like voices whether it's like in the in the vein of like punk or folk or whatever but like you know people who could harmonize would harmonize people who could sing high or low would do their thing and it just kind of it fell into place organically which yeah, i think were, is the exact vibe we yeah, wanted we were just like do what you feel the best in your throat about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end at the end like um oh i forget what part but um like there was two parts where we really wanted just like rippers like we really just wanted people to like die on, on mic uh, and we were just like, okay, we've been telling you to be comfortable all day. Now it's the time to be uncomfortable. Wink, wink. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's let's we can talk about the record if you want to. Yeah, why don't we um why don't we start to go track by track a little bit? So uh, what we usually do, just to give you guys a heads up, we usually play like maybe ten to twenty seconds of the, a clip of a song. Obviously, we want everyone to go out and support the artist, so we're not going to give you the full thing. So we'll play a short clip, and then we'll uh, we'll come back in. and We'll talk about it a little bit. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. All right, so uh, we're going to take a quick spin at Scarecrow. I'll be dead. So that was Scarecrow. Um, you guys um, kind of talk a little bit, maybe what, uh, what's Scarecrow about? Well, thematically, uh, Scarecrow has taken on a couple different meanings for me, but when I wrote it, Scarecrow is, was, was a song about depression, and it is a, um, a song about, well, when I wrote Scarecrow, I was uh, in an incredibly abusive relationship, and I was really struggling because I have never been in that position before, um, and I happened to that point in my life. And uh, I was also young. I was also, I wrote Scarecrow. It was one of my first songs I ever wrote. And I was, I think, 17 and a half when I wrote Scarecrow, maybe 17. Um, and yeah, that song was just about, you know, uh, feeling like uh, your life is so dreary. And so like, um, like such an impossible force um, that it wasn't, it would, it would be, be better off not living it. And that, that's, that was like a really, really, that was a really huge thing for me to grapple at that age. 
um, because I'd had I'd had battles with depression before that, but this gave it a physical manifestation. You know, before it was like, uh, you know, it was it was chronic. It was it was just it was normal human depression in your head, which is valid and hard, but different from depression that has a physical form and is actively hurting you. Um, so that was my first time grappling that in my life and, um, like dealing with that trauma and stuff, my only coping mechanism was writing. Um, mm. so, so that, that was, that's what that is about. And I played, I've been playing it for years. It's the only song from that long ago that has survived up into this record. Uh, so like the only old song on the record basically. And, uh, that's, yeah, it's just battling depression. It's, uh, that's the theme and. I'm glad you mentioned that because one, one of the things I think is interesting now having that background now is the sort of acceptance of that situation. If you're in an abusive relationship, there's no railing against it. And I think that's probably that depression where you're like, okay, I accept that this is just the way it's going to be. Yeah, you submit to it. And like most of the verses are just like about like you really believe that this is about to be the rest of your life when you're in a state like that, when you're with somebody like that, it's, um, you know, abuse and trauma feels unlimited and feels endless when it's happening to you. And you only yeah. ever will feel like um, uh, that's going to pass after it has. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you can never tell somebody going through that, that there's another side because you don't see it when you're there. You don't, you don't. And it's like, yeah, I would wake up every morning like, here we go again. This is it. Like, this is it is this is it, and then I die. Like, this is my, the rest of my life. That's how you really feel when you're in that position. And mm. uh, it was it was about uh, eleven and a half months of my life, so it was it was pretty dragging. Um, uh, that's definitely my my I think most uh, linear work from that time period of my life, everything else kind of fizzled out that I wrote, but that that's the only one I held on to from there. So you got something good out of it in the end. That's yeah. I got one song. <laughs> you got one song. That's a plus. That's all you really need. You know, after the end of that, it's like a, it's like a little trophy, you know, it's like I got out of there. <laughs> I earned this song. Yeah. And, and uh, one thing I noticed when we were just making note of things earlier, um, I don't know if this was intentional all, and maybe Owen can speak to this. I know Matt's not there. Um, the guitar tone and the chord progression, and maybe Justin can speak to the chord progression of it, almost sounds like it gives me some sort of an autumn kind of feel, which for some reason I associate with a scarecrow. And, and I don't know if anybody's thought of it that way or not, but that's, that's something that I uh, felt a little bit. Um, but it, it definitely, I, scarecrow in the way that the song is composed makes perfect sense to me. And, and I don't know if anyone's put it that way, but. Yeah, well, also um, the representation of the scarecrow is outside of my parents' house. Um, where I was living at the time, outside of my old bedroom window, my neighbor actually just has a scarecrow uh, in their yard. Mm. And uh, it was fall. And when I was talking about when like the lyrics, uh, I think it's um, the line about uh, the, the trees and, um, you know, like all of the imagery in the song, like with the leaves, uh, yeah. it's all like autumn themed writing. Like that's, that's kind of how it was intended to be picked yeah. up because that right. was the point in my life I was writing it. Yeah. yeah. That was all you. <laughs> yeah. No, that, and I think that's absolutely fantastic and it, it plays so well together with the message of the song. Um, 
kind of let's you know kind of moving next to the next song here is 110 percent. so we'll give that a spin we'll do the same thing again All right, 110%. So um, <laughs> um, let's just uh, kind of go for that. What do you, um, you want to uh, mention about that in particular? I, I know we have a few talking points we can get to once you uh, feel satisfied. I mean, yeah, uh, start with your talking points because I'll just go off. All right. Um, I know one of the things, Chris, did you have anything on uh, 110% you wanted to mention right off the bat? Uh, it's a duet. I was <laughs> looking at my notes. That's yeah. what I wrote. <laughs> Um, I have to, Molly's voice works really well with yours, Justin. Like, I think that you guys really mesh well together. Um, and, um, I wanted to note the kick-ass solo that's in there. So. Yeah, that's, uh, that's all the Matt. Matt's, yeah. Matt just sent that. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was... I feel that a lot in the album with Matt just sending it. And I, and like, I was like, what the hell are you doing in the best way? Yeah, honestly, that that's how I experienced it with the production, too. It was just like, I would just get, you know, it was always like a surprise, like, what's Matt's going to send? It would always be 10 times better than what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, I don't know, do, did you want to start with talking about the meaning of it, or do you want to go into more production stuff? What do you think? Um, well, quick background. Uh, that's actually a song that, um, that song was... Um, I think four different incomplete songs I smushed together in chronological order of when they were written. (laughs) (laughs) I never knew this. Yeah. And I I wrote them like all in the same week. It was just kind of like bits and pieces, but they're all supposed to be different songs. It was kind of like going to be a whole album, uh, the concept. And then I just smushed it in one song and scrapped the record. But, um, no, there's like a lot of. There's, it's definitely a dense song lyrically, and there's a mm. lot of different themes jumping back and forth in it. But it's uh, that song is kind of just, I mean, it's what it sounds like. It's just giving 110%. Like a lot of those songs are thematically just like, I go too hard, and that's cool sometimes, but I also go too hard, and sometimes that screws things up. <laughs> and that's the theme <laughs> in the song is like, I go too hard always, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. And that's also, mm. that's like a, fa- like a flaw of mine, but also something that like helps me sometimes. So that's literally, the song is just about yeah. going too hard. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say what, like, what helps me relate is like your songs, I don't have to search too hard for the meaning. I can just relate to it, you know? And when I am searching for it, like I'm enjoying the whole time, I'm discovering things about myself. So I like, and I totally related to that message of, um, you know, you trying too hard, you know, and you, but that's your best, you know? Um, you try too hard yeah, all the time. You try too hard all the time. <laughs> and that's, um, uh, I, I just, I can't, I relate to it so much. I, um, I'm losing my train of thought. Yeah. <laughs> well, the line, um, um, high fives can get heavy. Uh, let me know if it gets scary. I'll hold back is, um, um, somebody I met, uh, and was really, I'm still really close to, uh, a friend of mine. Like we met through work and when we'd walk by, like, they worked at the register um, mm-hmm. and I worked like in the back and I'd walk by them 
and we'd like high five like sarcastically like ah almost the end of the day kind of thing like let's get out of here we hate work and I would just like I guess I didn't notice it for a while but I'd high five them and one day they're just like you pulled me aside and like Justin, like every time you high five me, my hands red for like, <laughs> for, like for like two hours and like it's hard to count change. Yeah, <laughs> like you need to chill. Yeah, <laughs> like you keep hurting me every time you yeah. high five. That's like yeah. exactly like what I think it would be about too. You know, that's that's like literally exactly what I said. I did not mean anything more. It's just like <laughs> yeah. I just like yeah. my friend's hand by accident. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That so reminds me of this guy, Dan, I used to work with. He was a wicked nice guy. Every time he walked by me, he'd be like, hey, how's it going? And I finally had to pull him aside, and I'm like, dude, you just need to say it once. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate the thought, but come on. Um, so let's uh, let's uh, talk now a little about running away, uh, running away to Canada, right? I said that right? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah well, on the I, nervous version, it's with two eyes. It's running away from away to Canada. I, I wanted to ask if that was a mistake or not, because I, I didn't see it the same across platforms, uh, and I, I think that's great. It was a mistake, but now it's intentional. I, I think that's amazing. <laughs> I, call so, it, I call it post-intentional. I, I just want to say, the first time I heard the song was at the Something Saturday re- release show, when Justin, you played it. And I've never forgotten it. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, on that note, um, I love this song, and let's give it a quick little spin. I also want a this is my very last day. So uh, running away to Canada, uh, or running away to, to Canada, <laughs> multiple yeah, That's correct. That's correct. That's the correct pronunciation. That's the official pronunciation. <laughs> so I, I think the most notable part is is the part about the puppy, um, because that, apparently that's that is an identifying factor we talked off mic about, and um, I obviously talk about the whole song because the whole song has such amazing alliteration about being a bug under a rug and. You know, you uh, being the bee and the honey and everything, um, but definitely, I I'd love to know more about the the puppy. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, that song is so a theme with that batch of writing in my writing sense uh, has actually been uh, running away to places rather than running away to places. Um, you mean from running what? away? Running away to rather than running away from. Well, right? I had like seltzer in my throat. It, like I just had like a brain fart. Uh, we can we can do that in post. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, no, uh, a good theme that I've been th- thinking about a lot lyrically is uh, the difference between running away to places and running away from places. Yeah, what Owen said. Uh, and um, yeah, like that's kind of how I started writing the song. Is just like like I want to be able to run away two places without running away from things. Um, I want to be able to like focus on the destination and the goal rather than uh, the destination and the goal representing me getting away from something. Uh, mm. And Canada's always just been like a really, um, like it seems I, like I've been to the border plenty, uh, but it's always just like, I'm just like, it's right there. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's like representational of like the easiest way to get the hell out of here. Uh, um and uh, on my first tour or my second tour my second tour ever i went to syracuse uh 
we played in Syracuse and then we went up to Buffalo in New York and we went to Niagara Falls and like I just could see Canada and I was just like god damn it like <laughs> I'm so close <laughs> now I'm about to turn back around and go go back but um yeah Canada was like a physical manifestation of like me like going away basically um mm -hmm. and I was uh, my partner at the time and I uh like both we both just like desperately wanted a puppy but neither of us were in like uh the financial or like otherwise position to, to have a puppy but like that song was kind of just a pipe dream of like like running away to Canada because it was something we wanted to do like uh get a pup and like these are all yearnings of mine that I kind mm. of collected throughout the song because the rest of the song is a, is a song about love and a song about uh, loving who you with and the place you are uh, with that person, you know? Yeah. Like uh, some places you associate with people and the place that I was at uh, mentally, I associated with the person I was with. So it's like, it was kind of like a, a high point love song of like, um, like this is so good. I want to run away and I want to preserve it, you know, like, it is so good. This is so great that, like, I want to, I want to take it away where nobody else can mess with it and just, I want this to be, like, the rest of time kind of thing. Uh, that's a feeling that, like, I really wanted to capture. So, like, that's kind of what I did with the song, at least, is, is capture that feeling. There's one line in here I thought was absolutely amazing, and that's the, uh, we we're both going to fuck up, but I don't think that that matters at all. Like, that should be the mantra in every relationship when you begin. That's because it's so true. Yeah, um, uh, and that that song, uh, that line particularly, um, like one really really cool thing about the situation that we were in is we were people who were very very like opposite. Like we like uh, like kind of like extrovert introvert, uh, messy room clean room like those kinds of differences. Uh, um, high energy. Uh, like the kind of intrusive person that I am and then the really like OCD about cleaning polite person like guest at party like uh, we're just very like opposite people personalities but mm. we agreed on the important things and that's what I think mm -hmm. is really important in relationships with other people romantically or not is like if you're going to get along with somebody you got to agree on the important things the things that are important to you the things that are yeah. mutually important you know um, and that's what that line's about it's just like yeah like we can just like like, I don't know, uh, like we can disagree on the really, really small stuff, but uh, these big, big points that are big to people are uh, what matters when it comes to having a social uh, linear relationship with somebody that like has longevity to it and like has benefit to it. Mm -hmm. So um, why don't we, why don't we shift now to, uh, I know Owen's big, uh, big song here, um, Uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, I've heard from a number of people and this is just from where I've seen it, that this has been some of the, one of their favorite songs on the album, not to say that any of the other ones are not good at all, but, uh, Owen, oh, I've, I've heard a lot of good things. So yeah, it's, um, it's definitely in the top five most popular, I think <laughs> in our record, right? Yeah. There's like a, there's a few of them that like, there's a, there's a handful of them that are definitely, they just kind of hit a larger amount of people for whatever reason you know yeah so uh we'll we'll give a quick little spin and then uh yeah i want to hear about it
and talk to us about uncomfortable. I, I, I just want to give this to you. This is, you know, your, your big baby. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> My big baby. <laughs> I hit drums. <laughs> I have to say, when I saw you guys do this live, that, that threw me off, and it was, it was in the best way. So What's that? Justin playing drums threw me off in, like, the best way. You did a fantastic job, so. Yeah, yeah, and Justin did great on that, on actually all the drum stuff. But, um, yeah, so Uncomfortable. Yeah, Uncomfortable is, yeah, this is the this is a big one. And uh, I was thinking about it today, and it's, it's kind of like a, for me, it, I think primarily it was like a transition song. I think, um, I believe the period of time when I was writing that was when I was, um, so I used to where I used to play in this cover band that was, you know, it was one of those, like, it was very, you know, it was music, but it made music feel like work. And so it was, you know, it was a, it definitely really good for me in many ways for my music career, but, um, toward the end of it, it brought up a lot of emotions of like, um, this isn't what I want to do with my life. And so, um, that got like, you know, um, you know, I've, I'm someone who's experienced like, um, depression in the way I have. And, um, like, I don't think I experienced it to a strong degree, but things like, like whenever I'm in a situation where I feel like I'm, um, kind of being forced into playing a role for like someone else and someone else's dream that's not my own dream like that really burn me out and it, it like sucks away my my energy and it just makes everything feel wrong in life and makes me negative and stuff like that so uh uncomfortable was definitely spurred out of um the situation where i had decided i want to leave that band but it was like um the very long drown out situation where um you know, I wasn't able to just, you know, get out of this thing I didn't want to do immediately. It was like, I, I said, hey, hey guys, I'm moving on. But then they're like, hey, you need to stay with us uh, while we're finding someone else. And they would keep drawing it out and out and out. And so it completely tested my patience. Like, um, and it's one thing that brings up a lot of my, um, you know, when I do have like I would call what I, what I experience sometimes is like situational depression or burnout. And when I experience that, it's from, um, it's from situations where I can't just immediately transition out of a thing that I decided I hate doing. So it's like, you're forced to live with doing something that feels like the old you and just like that it's not in line with your values anymore. So I think, that song for me was confronting like like i'm you know i'm not going to uh, compromise my integrity and just kind of like blow this thing off i'm gonna you know i'm gonna end my ties properly but that that means it's going to be uncomfortable for me and there's gonna be a lot of and at the same time i was also going through a very big uh mental health journey of trying to uh, completely let go of any ties to um, depression, basically. I wanted to completely heal. I think I have a unique sort of situation where um, 
I, I don't feel like I ever had it to an extremely strong degree, but I had this incredible drive to just uh, completely heal rather than cope, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd been getting into a lot of like self-development type stuff and like going in that sort of direction, trying to just um, really get, take back the control of my own life and my own happiness and stuff. So that's really just like a, it's a transition song of like when you're moving from a position of, uh, you know, like who you used to be and trying to move to a happier place, there's, you get into these transitions either internally or externally in your life where um, it's just really stressful and you kind of have to understand that you can't just have the the ideal you know like you can't just find that happiness right away but you can find an inner peace and in knowing that you're on the journey to that so that's why it's like it's it's not easy but it'll get better it's like for um i'm doing the best i can even though it's uncomfortable that's the idea of like um being grateful that you're at least on a path to making yourself happier even if you still have tons of bad days and you feel like, like you're just so done with it, you know? So that's like a lot of what it's about lyrically. And um, yeah, I think I said enough about the lyrical side of it. Um, just for time's sake, we're going to continue to move a little forward. Um, but, oh, and, you know, that's, that's a great synopsis of everything. And I think it really brings together like what uncomfortable is about. And again, one of my personal favorites on this album. So um so we're going to now move on to Paw Prince. Um, yeah, I, and I'm not going to say anything more than that. And follow my footsteps And I'll follow yours Let's stay together no. Let's build a home all right, so Paw Prince, um, Justin, kind of turn things over to you to talk a little bit. Um, you know, same thing, give us a little bit of an idea. I have a few talking points I got to pull back up on my phone. Um, but yeah, just talk to us a little bit. What do you, um, wh- what's kind of the vibe of Paw Prince? About Paw Prince. One is okay. what it's about. Um, all right, now that that's <laughs> over. Um, Paw Prince is about somebody who I met uh, at a secluded festival in the woods of New Hampshire. Uh, And we met and we played some music together uh, and then I never saw them again. Like we, I've literally seen this person for like five hours ever. Uh, And um, right after post getting out of that situation i mentioned with scarecrow um i had gone in a shirt in a camper with my grandparents for like 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 half a week uh to this fat fair and uh, i was just miserable just like walking around this festival alone listening to like i love you honey bear by father john misty on repeat um and just just like like walking in the rain and mud just like just like miserable person and i was playing 
completely illegally within the festival, uh, like just like busking, and they would kick me out of one part of the festival, and I'd go to the other one and start doing it, uh, <laughs> and I was just doing that. And somebody came up to me, this person, um, and they were just like, "Can I play with you?" And they had a ukulele, and we were just busking together, um, and uh, yeah, like I kind of like, like had like a mini like fall in love moment with this person uh mm. and then never saw them again and um i went to the camper that night and i wrote an entire ep produced the entire ep that night in garage band and then put it out um that's the pop ep and then i just i pulled that song from that record onto the nervous album mm. but uh yeah, yeah that song's just about somebody i met like for five hours <laughs> <laughs> well, and like one of the things I noted too is like it's kind of like a great twist on a love song almost. It's like it 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 does seem short in terms of you know how how most love songs go. Like feelings need to grow and and, and take some time to incubate. And you know you only had a few hours to to have all that happen. So um, I I could definitely feel that. You know what I mean? Very very optimistic song. Okay. Yeah. We played around with the a lot with the production on that too because. I think it, um, you know, it's just, it's a very, it, it comes across as a very simple song, but we just kind of ended up adding a lot to it. That was kind of the theme through the whole record is like dressing up all the songs uh, quite a lot with like, you know, instruments and flair and stuff. So um, I always felt like that song had a very sort of like, um, you know, like a beachy kind of happy vibe. So um, yeah you know, threw in some like shakers and I can't remember there's like maracas, but like, and then like Matt also has this uh, motif through the record of like slide guitar. So like, um, you know, there's just certain things added up to make that feel the way it did. Yeah. And also one thing to note, and one of my favorite things about Pop Prince is Molly drums on it. Yeah. Really? Wow. I, I actually didn't know that. Owen plays bass and Molly drums on that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, little little known, but little known fact. Little, little known fact. Um, that's 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 fantastic. Um, so the next track I, I know is a, a mainly Matt track, and that's Life Is Bleak. Um, so I, I we I don't know how much we'll have to talk about that. Um, but we'll um, yeah, well I, yeah, yeah. So um, we'll uh, let's take a spin to Life Is Bleak. Life is bleak. So um, I have to say, Matt really has a unique voice. Um, and I think his his voice has like really drives a lot of the high end of the song. Um, and it's 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 so fantastic. I, I just think it fits so well. Like you have this bleak of winter kind of feel to it. And, and Matt's voice really adds to that. Um, it's just a lot of things that I noted. And again, kick ass solo. <laughs> you know, Matt playing guitar. Actually, Matt, Matt wasn't completely happy with that solo. He like, so the thing was like, he, you know, he accepted what it was, but like, it was sort of like after the fact he was like, oh, I wish I did it like a little bit differently, like this, that, or the other. But, um, for, uh, for like, we just had to settle with how it was 
on the on the record because we were like getting stuff done pretty fast but i think the solo was awesome and i i reassured him about that but um yeah there's a lot of that was that one was really fun like i found matt's songs are very well arranged and like he had a lot of those arrangements already set from like prior recordings so they're really fun and like kind of they came easier mixing wise and uh i have good memories of for life is bleak in particular i have good memories of like when i was mixing this record i i would often uh because i kind of didn't have a lot of else going on in my life so i was just like really hyper focusing on this so sometimes i would like i would you know i would kind of like you know nap in the evening and then like mix in the dead of night when it was real quiet and just kind of like get into that get into it that way and i i have good memories of like uh mixing that like wee hours in the morning i think i sent over the main draft at like 7 a.m or something but I, I feel like it really fits the mood of that song of just like i'm really fascinated by the fact that it's uh even though the lyrics are what they are like the music is this to me it feels very happy and up, uplifting and that's kind of a theme through our record of like uh bright music with dark lyrics and i i think that has a lot to do with like just kind of finding the the hope and the darkness and sort of like uh you know being able to talk about these things but still uh like dress them up to where they're like accessible and not just like uh like way too much you know yeah and one quick thing to add about like life is bleak is uh two like like little like I love working with Matt musically. I think Matt is like one of the most genius like instrumental players and, and lyricists that I've ever met. Um, but specifically like instrumentally, um, we went through like thirteen different drums drum parts for uh, Life Is Bleak because I drum on that too. And um, and Matt is just the only thing he had to say about it the whole time was simpler. Keep playing simpler. Yeah. No 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 fills no nothing he said he he was like something like like simple and trashy yeah no something he, like that yeah, he, something like, he said he said justin i want you to be able to like i want you to sound like you're sleeping like i, like, I don't want <laughs> like, I want this to sound like i'm like forcing you to play it uh uh you know yeah. and then also with the um with the guitar he's like yeah man like take it from my guitar part like i hate this guitar part <laughs> he's just like he's like I'm so bored. This card guitar part is not interesting. It's not supposed to be interesting. I, I think the drums need a match. Like you just need to play something that bores you like to hell. Uh, <laughs> that, that's how that's what he wanted. And he tells me he says the same thing about one of our new songs. Like Matt, some of Matt's writing some of his instrumentals. He's just like yeah, it has to be boring to play. It has to be just so like ungodly boring to play. And I think that's a really really funny take on like writing. Oh, that's awesome. Like, yeah, he's just like yeah, I I, I want it to sound this very particular way. And it's gonna make it really boring to play, but like, trust me, <laughs> and like it works. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna move on uh, to the next song in here, "A New Year," um, and yeah. A new year. I I have to say, um, I I don't. You guys know the song "A Horse with No Name." Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, that's the vibe I got. Ah, interesting. I don't know if that's that's been said before. Yeah. I've heard us compared mm-hmm. to America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's an insult or a compliment, but... I don't either. I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what the vibe of that came from, because that's actually a song taken off. And also just something to know about a couple... A bunch of these songs are like... Uh, taken off earlier records we did all solo and we threw them into the like the full band mix so this was one from my my album glow that i wrote when i think a new year was probably like one of the first songs i wrote i must have been like 15 um but to your point about the vibe of it uh that was actually the like the guitar feel and stuff uh especially the way i produced it on the original record was very uh, influenced by an album called Sung Tongs by Animal Collective, which is kind of like a, I guess like a psychedelic folk album, but um, I really like, they do some really interesting guitar stuff um, that is just very, uh, it makes you think differently about what acoustic guitars can do. Um, but that's kind of how I got the idea of like very, dark chords with like a swing to them and then once we moved it into the nervous arrangement um i kind of let go of that influence a bit more and let it just kind of like uh kind of like mold into more of a almost like a soul jazzy feel and uh i i love having kelly's trumpet on that that really made the song for me but um what a new year is about is um that was me just being young and really processing uh, depression for the first time. And uh, it's a similar, I feel like it's a similar feel as uncomfortable, but uh, it's less situation specific and more of like the actual, it was me at the time processing uh, the idea of hope and that like, even when you feel terrible, like you can always hope for the future and find positivity in that. So I feel like a new year was like the very basic, like just, I was like a teenager just figuring out uh, how to be positive uh, in a time when it wasn't immediately available, but I could be positive in the future. And uncomfortable was uh, more, more of when life got real. And I think something I forgot to mention about that is like, it was definitely uh, the emotional toll I was in at that time. It was, um, you know, it was, it was a very emotional thing, but I was also like struggling with like, you know, sleeping normally and stuff like that. So uh, actually in both situations, it was very, you know, um, I think really what, sometimes I use the word depression, but I think a lot of what I've experienced has truly just been burnout. And I, I like, now that I'm older, I understand it's, it's coming from that place, but like, the both songs are pretty similar in theme of it. It's like, it's something I write about a lot is like when you are in kind of an exhausted time, uh, just knowing that that's not the end of things and that you can hold a positive uh, hope for the future. And that's why it's called a new year. It's like, I was like, okay, this year sucked at the time, but I know there's another year coming. And I know that the future has so much possibility for change and like reinventing things. So, um, that's my basic rap for that song. Yeah, I also, 
um, one of my favorite parts on the entire record, like top five parts in this whole record is in this, in this song. Um, and I was hoping I'd get the chance to talk about it, actually. <laughs> um, but this is um, one of my favorite parts on the record that I don't know if many people have caught. It's really subtle. But in the trumpet solo that Kelly does before, um, before my drums come in, um, you can hear in between notes of the, the solo, Kelly's breaths, um, like, like these like inhales. Um, mm. And just like uh, uh, that happening underneath the uh, instrumentation, just like that like little snippet of like eight seconds uh, of the end part of her solo is like one of my favorite parts in the whole mm. record. It gives me chills, it gave me chills today. I yeah. listened to it on the way here. And like, I just, I'm so damn proud of that like eight second block you know yeah because like also i believe that was a solo where where um kelly did it. i think that's one take like i think we like only did that once we're like yeah mm -hmm. yeah whatever you, you know just throw it in there but like that's like one of my my favorite parts of the whole record yeah and i'll have to go back now and listen because like that that's wicked interesting to me yeah there's a lot of uh i think a theme for not only this record just but how i produce in general is i'm and I think this is very inspired by Justin, actually, is uh, there are a lot of moments throughout where it's like we're we're wanting to leave in things that uh, create a feeling of like uh, magic or vulnerability or just some kind of like special uh, feeling of like hearing the human playing the instrument. And um, uh, there's an example of that in everything that we got to make sure we get to. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's definitely throughout the whole record. I was I was just like, especially on the production and mixing side, because I had more of the stage of like the the uh, the the end of the creation of the record, uh, and like uh, my whole goal was like I want to make sure this emotionally hits in you know as many places as it can. I don't want it to be. Uh, I don't want to get so caught up in technical things that I suck out those those human like the things that just make you feel the emotion of the song more strongly, even if it's in, you know, the instrumental textures, you know. You know what you just remind me of, and, and I'll be happy to talk for viewers about this in the future, but when we were recording with you in the studio and Mike was punching me in the middle of one of the songs to try and get me to... Uh, to be a little angrier, you could hear his punches in between, in between <laughs> me uh, I don't even getting angry. That, but that's that, funny. Yeah, it was it was really because he was really loud. Those punches, you could, the mic was picking it up. But uh, that's I'm just gonna leave that, let that hang, so that people have questions about my life. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna move on to uh, Lauren Jesse Moss. Um, there's gonna be an obvious question coming, and we'll wait till the next part about Lauren Jesse Moss. So uh, let's hop into that. Again, one of my favorite songs in this um, album, great solo. Let's take a listen to it. I feel right, don't you understand? I got my life sitting in my hands. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm gonna be happy now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So the question I have to ask is, uh, who is Lauren Jesse Moss? Lauren Jesse Moss is um, is somebody. Lauren Jesse Moss, because uh, we actually don't really have like a huge, um, 
uh, like I've talked to Matt about this, and basically Lauren Jesse Moss was uh, was a real person uh, who was actually found dead uh, in a Walmart parking lot, and her body was in her car three months when anybody found her. Um, and Oof. Matt, uh, uh, I mean, I can't speak for him, but when I've spoken to him about it, basically the song was like, um, like he read the 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 news the news the, the news line about it and it was just like yeah somebody like deserves to remember her she deserves mm. to be remembered you know whoever that is and like yeah we don't, we don't know like about her family we don't know if she had family we don't know anything about her you know but uh uh that matt just wrote that to, like honor somebody who's has fallen like that you know yeah and and like i have to say like i i totally love that vibe of the song and actually hearing that story like completely changes my interpretation of it completely um, I said completely twice. Don't know why. Um, but like just the other day I tried learning the song and guitar just cause like it just, the vibe of it made me really, um, I don't know, just made me inspired to try and learn new things. So I, I really love how that song is orchestrated. I love the message behind the song. Um, especially now hearing that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. Like neither of me or Owen wrote the lyrics, but like, yeah, yeah when, whenever Matt's talked about that song, that's yeah. kind of how he puts it. It's just like, yeah, somebody, uh, like, she deserves to be remembered by somebody and we don't know if if anybody does like you know we don't know about her family or anything Mm, absolutely and um yeah it's interesting you bring up the guitar thing because i think that's a really special guitar part because i think it it i I don't know if you agree with me justin but i think it sounds much easier than it actually is to play oh Oh my god it it takes some finesse to like that's what i was talking about earlier about matt that wants things to be like like Matt either wants things to sound easy and make them hard, or he tries so so hard to make it sound good, but it sucks to play. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, he 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 just tries to make it's it's just so interesting. I love it. Yeah. I love him. I love him. He's and so um, good. yeah, there's uh, I'm trying to think of like we all most of us take solos in that, and so that was a fun little section to throw in. Um, I'm trying to think of what else is. Uh, that's that's one of the songs that has changed dramatically since uh, mm-hmm. we recorded it live. Live, we um, when the the horn solo happens uh, after the um, uh, right before the drums cut out and in into the drum solo, uh, we actually half time the entire song um, into like mm-hmm. a reggae like slap beat, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and um, now we like we yeah we do that song plenty different live now so it's it's yeah. been a really fun one to kind of grow and like do weird stuff with and like have like features like on the, the free space of the song like when we don't have the the horns with us like i'll like take like a like a glass bottle or like like i, I think i hit my guitar with a hammer one time during yeah. that part like i just like destroy my, <laughs> my myself during that part and yeah. place, place vander being there yeah and um also like even just like drum wise i remember when recording that the like i i don't think it might have been like we really like when we did the drums and bass like recording the first part of the record like we maybe played like three shows or something like that so we were you know we'd practiced a bunch but like um you know like the that solo on the the drum solo on the record is not how i play it live anymore i've i just try to keep evolving and evolving it and sometimes sometimes that's a choice i make with studio recordings is to intentionally 
underplay so that whatever I do live, it will just be better, you know? That's what happens yeah. when Life is Bleak. Live, I riff on Life is Bleak, but studio, like, Matt was like, no. Yeah. Play it stupider. <laughs> <laughs> but live, I'm just like... <sighs> and, like, mm. I just... I like. I think I did blast beats last time we played Life is Bleak Live. <laughs> like, 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 oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. you know. So uh, that's that's a really really fun one to just um, like Lauren Jesse Moss is a fun one that just like evolves. You know, I think it's changed the most since the record went out. Oh, that's awesome. And I, I again, I really want to see you guys live at some point soon. So at the end of the episode, please plug whatever you have coming up or something. We'll, we'll get to that point, but, we have um, a pandemic coming up. <laughs> you know, I, I know, I know. Um, so let's get to the title track now. Uh, cosmic. Um, I, I keep doing this thing where I, I try to lead into more sentences and I should just let it go. So we're just going to take a listen to cosmic. So Cosmic, we're, we're at the title track of the song. Um, one thing that really stood out to me immediately was um, you have this like kind of uh, thing in like the middle of the song or towards the beginning of the song. Uh, it reminds me there's a part in Bohemian Rhapsody where he says he's shivering down his spine and he does right on the bridge of his guitar. He's, he does that. It, it's, it's giving me the same kind of vibe. But um, the change to Molly's voice, like, like halfway through the song, it, it's so fantastic and uh, the middle section where you just kind of just go off. Uh, oh my God. So great. So, um, yeah, talk, talk to us about that a little bit. I, I love it. There's a lot going production wise. Uh, I think the, I don't know if the, the thing you're talking about might've been just the glockenspiel, which isn't really on the record in that much other places, but it was one of those last things I was just like, um, like, what does this need to sound finished? And I just, um, you know, I would, you know, like if there was like a thing that needed like a shaker or like a little bell part, I would throw it in there. Um, the, the section in the middle is like, um, you know, there's, we, we tried to throw in like everything we could there. Basically <laughs> there's some, some like little inside jokes. Yeah. Yeah. There's some secrets played in that noise part. Um, Anything you want to reveal right now about your secret plan? Um, uh, well, we got to reveal them in order. I think. Uh, well, I I think we should start by saying, I think Matt c claims that he did in fact play the Enter Sandman riff somewhere yeah. in there, <laughs> but I I can't hear it. Yeah. The final thing. Yeah, yeah Matt played uh, Enter Sandman in it. Uh, you did the reggaeton beat, right? And yeah, I think I did reggaeton, and I might have done. Uh, I think I did something else. I did do, uh, this is a good Easter egg to find. I played the lick on the piano. That's the only, I think it's the, the piano only comes in the bridge section because I wanted something to play the lick on. <laughs> so uh, and I just boosted the volume for the lick. You still kind of, it's very hard to notice, but if you listen for it, you can hear it. Um, yeah. I also know what you're talking about, Aaron, uh, with the, that that thing you're talking about uh it's not the glockenspiel that's me raking wicked hard through my 
uh, guitar with my pick uh, on harmonics on the 12th fret. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. It's me, it's me doing natural harmonics, but just like half of my, like I don't like basically like broke a medium pick through my guitar. <laughs> yeah. You can tell that's a, a really nice rake. Yeah. You yeah, do there. yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's what that sound was. And also um, I'm particularly proud of the, uh, the, I think this is the song, the saxophone uh really shines on the most and that's mm -hmm. something that i really really was important to me on the record i was just like um we don't have a lot of sax on it but uh we had an amazing player on it um um and L lauren silva and uh oh my god like yeah no i think that lauren just shines on that track on that track and um i wrote that track when i was on um yeah my second tour ever uh i was in a really dark bar uh, that we were like, they're like we were playing in a showroom that was attached to it, but like I was in like the bar part, and there's like this, this like really dark corner where there's just like one chair, and I just like sat there and like was like having a real real bad night, and uh, I just like wrote the entire, other than Molly's verse, I wrote all of Cosmic, um, just like sitting in this like bar in like southwestern Mass, just like. Like, like crying like uh like like hiding my face from people at the bar <laughs> just like like uh um yeah that song's just about feeling isolated from people and like uh like way too in your own head and just like um like feeling like you can't relate to people which is still something that i write about because um mm -hmm. a lot of the problems that i've faced mentally and a lot of the problems that i've um i've had uh all boil down to me uh thinking in ways where i feel like i don't know i feel very very like a lot of the problems that i have mentally aren't typically things that other people can relate to because i am a um how do the kids say it uh, completely fucked uh so <laughs> um so yeah that's kind of what that song is about is just feeling isolated and feeling like i can't relate to anybody and like the, all these problems are completely first time only happening to me like just freaking out you know hmm. you know when you're freaking out and at the time as well i didn't have a phone i don't think I, yeah, I didn't own a cell phone, I don't think, at the time. That might be wrong, but, like, I, I made it, just got it, but I didn't have cell phone service. Like, so, like, I couldn't call anybody. I was just, like, in this place, just, like, completely, just, like, like alone. And um, that's, like, the mood. That's the big mood. Hmm. Um, again, I love this song. I mean, I, I'm going to say that about every single track on here, but, I, I, you know, I love the song, love the vibe, love the feeling. I can totally relate. Um, I I keep forgetting about you over here, Chris. Yeah, right. I'll chime in. Okay. Um. So <laughs> I'm enjoying this. I'm glad. <laughs> so uh, moving on to the the next song uh, is Haze. Um, that's a really Molly song, I assume. Um, so, um, but we'll uh, we'll take a spin and we'll talk about that some more. All right, so Hayes, um, great vibe, really a feel feel good kind of song. Um, yeah, and I, it kind of reminds me of when I used to work at uh, Trukies, um, the supermarket. I just kind of I don't know a lot of the songs they play there, and this is not meant as an insult. Um, just had this really, yeah, it's just it's just a real real comfortable vibe. That's all I want to say. I I don't mean that as an insult. 
I'm going to put a promo nervous, kind of like Taruki's. <laughs> Your statement in the advertisements. That's, that's what people mm-hmm. say about us. <laughs> but I think what it really does show is how diverse you guys can be, because one second you're America, and then the next thing you're a Truki song. Um, which um, America is a Truki song, um, but that's unrelated. I mean, you you guys are all over the map, and it's you being talking about being a super group. I think is fantastic. But um, ta- what what can you guys uh, talk about Hayes a little bit? Uh, well, I think the fun part about Hayes. So the record was completely done. <laughs> the record was totally mixed. No, not completely, like, but we were almost there. Like we were about. We had about a week. Yeah, I think we were, all the tracks were completely existing with all like it was just in mixing like everything was recorded and then we just like Molly was just basically just like I have it <laughs> like we're just like all right let's let's do this let's get you yeah. over here so we, we had like a practice in Owen's like back living room which was unusual because um we usually do in the barn but it was like like a blizzard and we all like tracked out in a blizzard to like rehearse the so- new song uh, and just immediately, like like a snap of the finger, the arrangement was already there. Like mm-hmm. Molly played it for us once, and then uh, like we already like no, no one just was already playing that drum part when we started. Like yeah. I was already playing the same bass line. Like yeah. we just already knew what we were gonna do for it, and we just mm-hmm. kind of slapped it together and put it in the record because we were all really excited about having a Molly song on it. We thought we might not get one, yeah. um, and uh, it was just yeah. really exciting when she brought it. We just kind of whipped it together like real fast. Yeah. You know? I think it, it was it was more than a week. I'm exaggerating, but maybe I I feel like from the start of recording it, probably two weeks. I don't know. I think we might have the writing. I didn't feel like the writing was too rushed. Like we definitely made sure that it, it was the song it was supposed to be. Uh, but definitely, uh, uh, it it was like a lot of the um, you know certain things like we we. And I'm kind of glad, like, we, we didn't need to throw, like, gang vocals or much horns on it, just, like, just a little bit, like a trumpet or something. But, um, you know, that's one of the, the simpler songs, but I think it, it, it you know, it, it stands that way fine because the message is, I think, is just so important. Yeah, well, correct me if I'm wrong, too, mm-hmm. but I don't think there are horns on his. Uh, I don't did think we take them out? I, don't... I think there's, like, one trumpet in line with the whoa so just in there a little bit yeah yeah like uh i remember because i asked for that yeah last yeah. minute yeah yeah like like for the majority of it like yeah we like didn't even like that wasn't horn day happened when we recorded horn day and then Hayes came to yeah. the table horns were done mm-hmm. all in one day i yeah. um yeah horns were done all in yeah. one day as well yeah and an interesting part of that was like when i was like mixing it and stuff i was you know i was given like some some different take options and there was some like you know like trying to trying to pick what would fit for you know what would fit where and kind of like uh make those decisions after the fact because on the day of we were just trying to get it all done real quick um but they they gave us plenty of material it was awesome um yeah do you have anything else to say about that's hayes yeah so um yeah um I think the do you were you gonna say something? Mm. You look give me this look. I just, <laughs> um, uh, we want to move on next to minutes, and I know Chris has a lot to say about minutes. Uh, he get really excited listening to it, so let's take a spin, and I'm gonna let him take that over.
All right, so my first question out of the gate, are we talking about Shepherd's Funeral Home? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I went to college for funeral service. I worked in it, you know, a couple of years, many years ago. Um, so one of the things I thought was really interesting about this song is I both attended and worked probably in my lifetime hundreds of wakes. Yeah. And this song really captures what it's like to be part of that. Not not the guy standing at the door, but the one kind of walking through this and experiencing it and that was amazing to me thank you thank you that that's what i wanted to capture this is the entire song is is part is is capturing one moment walking through the walking through the home you know um it was this a, a relative that passed you could say that it was like a father to me so um yeah the song was about a buddy of mine who uh who took me under his wing uh, an older figure who uh um you know, helped me a lot and was really, really supportive of everything that I do. Uh, and my friend died from an overdose um, in 2016, 16, I think. It could have been, could have been or late 15. But uh, yeah, it's just another friend of mine who has, who have lost to alcohol and drug abuse. Uh, and mm. it is a song that I wrote in Shepherds, uh, walking through on my phone, just looking at everything and I stayed there for, for quite a while and um, people talk about how sad and how uh, like heartbreaking losing a loved one is, but not everybody talks about how that moment, you know, that moment of walking in and just, and just looking and just, um, I also was somebody who I didn't know his family at all. I had no familiar relationship with this person. So when I walked in, there were 50, 60, 70 people there because the, the lot was full. Like, this mm -hmm. is a packed one. Um, and I didn't know anybody. Like, I had no idea. I didn't know a single soul. I didn't know any of his family. Um, so that was weird because I was walking around and there were pictures of me and him in these frames and, like, nobody knew who I was. You know, everybody's oh, like, wow. how, did, mm -hmm. how did you know him? And I was walking around just talking about, yeah, you know, like, and just celebrating his life. Um, but yeah, like it was weird. Like I was almost like, this isn't how it was, but like, it was almost like there was, there was his life. And then there was like me who was like kind of like a separate entity. And like, so I didn't, so everybody there was just like, who the hell is this guy? You know? Uh, so it was, it was nice meeting everybody who loved him too. And that's kind of what I spent the majority of my time doing during that service was talking to the people who loved him and the people who knew him in different ways than I did. Uh, and I was doing the vice versa, you know? I worked for his company. Um, he, he ran a masonry company, and I, I, I helped him. We did all of the brick pathways at Shepherd's. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but and that's why, because, too, like, you can imagine, like, we did we did the, the pathways and stuff, and then I was just walking uh, uh, onto the pathway into the service, you know? So that was, like, a really hard <laughs> moment for me. Um, but that's what the song is about, is going to, uh, going to a service and... Uh, just capturing that moment that I don't feel like a lot of people talk about. Mm -hmm. No, and it's interesting because I think a lot of times too, when you think of of that experience of going through a wake, like the immediate family has their whole thing going on, and for anybody else, it's such a surreal experience walking through there and experiencing your emotions, experiencing other people's emotions, and I've just, uh, like I said, between all the ones I've been to personally and the ones I've worked at, I just I've never seen the experience put into such eloquent words so uh, it really just blew me away 
Thank you so much. No, I'm, I'm really proud of that one. It's, it's one of my uh, proudest pieces that I've ever put together as a, as a writer or musician, but uh, yeah, I, I, that still holds up in my, in my head. I, yeah. I really like that one. Yeah. And you're very specific about what you wanted for it musically too. Yeah. That's why we, um, you know, we featured uh, Nick Grizzolia on double bass and uh, who else did we, I mean, we, there's a lot of the, the horns took a big role on that whole, song you went, I, you went on cello yeah and um yeah i remember just like you were very specific about things like like oh and i want you to use a bunch of like cross stick on the drums and like it was like we we're trying to really like pinpoint what musically would capture that uh feeling as well and one of my favorite parts honestly is mm -hmm. just the way i remember we were doing your vocals and we we're kind of like we were getting toward the end of recording kind of in rush mode, but I think I remember like the way you were, um, when you, when it gets to the real loud part, it's like the way you were, the way you were going for the scream. It's like, it was very, you know, like I, I remember that was a, that was a tricky vocal day for you, but I love it on that song because it, um, you know, it's, it just put that full emotion in there of, um, like just the the person you love is gone, you know, like that's, um, so yeah, it's just, that was very much a, uh, I don't know how to describe it, a very sensory song or something like that. Yeah, and one of my favorite parts on the record, I think these top five parts basically, like the Kelly part on, um, on um, a new year, mm -hmm. uh, but this is another favorite part of mine. It's all instrumental too. Um, but when Owen comes in with the, the rim shots and the drums, it's called minutes. And it's about like the, you know, the time passing really slowly in that moment. Um, and he comes in and it sounds like a clock, you know, like it's only been minutes. Yeah. That's, that's something that was really, really satisfying for me to hear. Um, and I guess you told me that was like an old Berkeley trick you went, right? Yeah, it yeah. was, but it, um, yeah, we, going into this band, one of the things I, I really liked is that I had been watching Justin perform a lot solo and just like getting familiar with these songs. So like by the time it came to writing drum parts, I was very influenced by the lyrics and I wanted to, uh, you know, you know, flavor that with the, the correct drum ingredients to make the lyrics shine, you know? Uh, so it's like stuff like that that we did. And also I was going to mention uh, Matt's slide guitar sort of theme like really shines in this that song a lot. So um, just getting a lot of different textures. Matt is like one of the best like studio guitarists I've ever heard in like just so great at like finding those textures that, you know, pull the song emotionally where it is meant to go and even like we we would like leave in like the noise of like uh the amp buzzing to like kind of like for me the decision to do that was like almost like this feeling of like uh like kind of like spacing out mentally or something or like there's like a buzz and then it the buzz stops and then you're very present and i think that was when i think of that song i think of a lot of like the moment is so unforgettable and like finding like moments in the production where you can leave that space and that sense of like like tuning in to like wow you know like this is like just a moment like 
I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not articulate right now, but you know what I mean. I'm proud to, to wrap it up. This is definitely instrumentally and vocal performance wise. I don't know about lyrics. I'm really proud of it lyrically, but definitely can confirm uh, instrumentally and like, like vocally, this is my favorite thing I've ever recorded to date. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I love instrumentally breaking it apart. I mean, one of my favorite things to do to a song is to sit there and break down the different components, figure out what makes it a good song. And I could easily do that with this song because of how complex it was, if that makes sense. So I, I really respect that. Almost every song on this record is like fucking 30 tracks and more, <laughs> yeah. way more than 30 yeah. tracks. I think it just fit with the, the, you know, the lyric, like the lyrical content I think is so, um, it, it, I feel like we're we're all coming to such strong realizations that I think the music can really like highlight those a lot. And so, um, yeah, it was like, it, it was just a lot for all of us, you know, yeah. and especially the like pulling collections of, you know, it's like the four of us who were just starting to make music together and pulling songs from different times in our lives as well. It's like, there's just so much uh, instrumental feel as like just stemming out of what the lyrics are saying. So uh, that's why we, we just went all in on instruments as well. So to move on to the next track, um, I do great discussions with this one. Um, we're going to go on to nothing and I know it's a relatively short song, so we'll play it and we'll, uh, we'll have some conversations. All right, nothing. So, uh, relatively short song, instrumental. Um, uh, I guess Owen kind of <laughs> wanted to touch upon. It. Obviously, you're both part of it, but I know you had to deal with it the most. So, this is pulling a portion of uh, everything that used to be there in an earlier rendition of everything. So, uh, this used to be at the nothing was basically a section of everything that used to be towards the end of the original song, and then Justin. Uh, shortened it to you know just make the song not too long but I remember even before I was in the band I was such a fan of everything and uh, just the part where it was just you just take out the lyrics and like go to the the oh and just kind of like feel the crescendo behind it and uh, so I was talking to him in the car once about like if we just kind of like did something with that and tried to recycle it so nothing is basically like a uh, we, we ended up, you know, we we're saying maybe we could put that in another track and just make it this like emotional buildup that kind of prepares for everything. And nothing probably has the most guitar tracks on the entire record. I, I think I kept almost all of what Matt sent me, which wasn't Matt's intention, but I was like, no, no, man, this, this sounds great. Like I want an ambient wall of sound. So I did a lot of, uh, you know, production wise, it was a lot of like fine tuning that, but Matt really like push the, the, I think the, the overall vibe of it being like this ambient thing. And then just like the gang vocals top off the crescendo. That's basically that for nothing. Yeah. Everything used to be nine minutes uh, <laughs> uh, when I first wrote it. <laughs> and I took that out after, so imagine this, right? How it used to be is after the bridge, um, 
nothing was the second bridge. <laughs> uh, and then I went back to the chorus. Um, but I directly ripped nothing and everything's concept uh, from one of my favorite albums of all time. And I'm going to come clean about it on recording right now. Uh, <laughs> that's, nice. that's exactly what um, they did on the album No Closer to Heaven by The Wonder Years. Um, the first track called um, uh, Brothers and, I believe it's called. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a second song on the album called Cardinals. And it's just, it's literally the motif of the record. And it's an instrumental, like, one-minute song with, like, all gang vocals. And that record and the gang vocals in Brothers and is the exact track that influenced all of the gang vocal sound on the record. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we're both big, like, we're both big into that record. So that yeah. was a good, like, common mm -hmm. theme. That Wonder Years record and the acoustic one. Uh, First and Decay. Yeah, those are both big influences. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that was, like, me kind of, like, uh, referencing to, to No Closer to Heaven by the Wonder Years. Yeah. Uh, well, also, that part already existed, you know, so I really wanted it to to crescendo. The whole song is a big crescendo, but I wanted it to kind of come to a head like Brothers And does and then cut back out to the original guitar part. So if you listen to those two first, the first two tracks in that record, and then you listen to Nothing and Everything, you can definitely see where I where I repped and what the, the similarities are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, speaking of everything, you know, these these two mesh together. Let's let's take a quick listen and we can uh, just dive right back in. So just diving right back in, I mean, these two songs, we talked about how there are uh, relations between the two, um, everything. Um, I actually forgot to write notes about this song. Um, for some reason, I stop at minutes, and uh, it, that bothers me because I knew there were things I really enjoyed. So um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about everything. Um, yeah. Everything, um, I wrote the tour after... I wrote um, Cosmic, and that was like the third tour I ever did, um, and that was, um, I started playing it like that tour. I'd been playing live, everything live, and changing it for like three years, uh, <laughs> or something, you know, like that amount, and uh, people have been like learning it because they've seen me play live, and this was like... For some people, they were just like, finally, Justin's just going to put out everything. That's like why people are excited. Some people about the <laughs> record. It's just like, I promise I'm putting it out this time. Because like th two records in a row, everybody is like waiting for this song. And like, I just keep not putting it out. Um, <laughs> I really, really wanted it to be right. And that's the song that's really important to me. Um, because it's just kind of like about like accepting things are going to change. And uh, that's something I had a really hard time with when I was a kid, especially post my trauma and post uh, my previously stated abuse it was like um it was uh, a song it's a song of acceptance and it's a song of loving people and it's a song about honoring people who uh who you can love but aren't here anymore you know like continuing loving somebody uh a post uh whether it's death or whether it's uh parting ways for other reasons or um you know it's about honoring people and loving people even when they can't necessarily love you back mm. uh, and that's something that's really hard too because that's an output 
like you're providing an output of love and uh, your energy and your, your brain is going into that and receiving no signal back, regardless of the reason, is something that isn't sustainable for everybody. But for me, it's really rewarding and it's really, um, uh, it's, it's really important to me. Um, so yeah, that song's about just loving people, uh, regardless of if, uh, you know, not expecting the same output uh, from them, you know. Uh, and it's also just about she's uh, like there was this snap. I haven't really talked about this before, actually. But um, basically, there was a, there was this snapshot uh, memory that I had on that tour of being in a basement in Philadelphia and watching this band I was touring with play. And uh, I consider this moment to be the moment that I accepted that I was going to die. Um, it is it is the moment I accepted my mortality. And um, when sometimes I think of of that moment, and a new snapshot is made, um, like two months ago, I had another snapshot, uh, and I always trace back to that moment, uh, and that's it was that was really important to me when I was writing the song as well because it was something that that scared the shit out of me for a long time, and it still scares the shit out of me because obviously. But uh, um, it, I look at it in a different light now, and I, I, I live my life on the basis that, that I'm mortal. And uh, that's, that's just something that's really important for like, not only my sustainability as a person, but like, uh, also my creativity and like, my topics I write about and like, how I, I work, I guess, as a creative person. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I also want to say I relate to that sort of like feeling as well, I think. Um, Everything was one of the songs that connected me with me a lot, even before I was in the band. But it's like a, um, I think Justin and I both have uh, some like some sort of spiritual drive. Like I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, it's uh, we're, and I think that song really brings that message home of like, um, like the way community influences things and like being part of things bigger than yourself in like focusing on like giving and love and like knowing that it's like maybe it's there for you or not but you're still going to love anyways and like uh i think i was thinking about this song too like i think it it points um this is my like personal interpretation probably separate from your own you know, like writing, but I think it points a lot to the issue of like, um, sometimes in society, like, um, it's emotional availability and connection, and even just vulnerable social connection is really rare. And I think this, that song brings to light a lot of important perspectives on that in terms of like, um, you know, like, I, I've talked to a lot of people who like the line about like, um, so if I call you in the morning without warning, it just means I love you. It's like that, that getting it in your heart that it's okay to just reach out mm -hmm. to a friend just for no reason, just because you, you care about them. And I think there's a lot of this in, I think in connecting with your own, you know, like the idea of your own mortality, it makes you think about um, one of the most important things that I think sometimes just the, the everyday run of society makes us forget about is that uh, our connection with other people 
And it's like, we get so wrapped up in the day-to-day things that like, if you really start to try to accept mortality or whatever that means to you, or like accept whatever your spiritual purpose is, it makes you really think about that as one of the most important things. It's like the memories you have with people and, um, you know, just outputting love, even, you know, even if it's not being received, it doesn't matter because love is like the fuel that's, it's, it's going to do things, no, do good things, no matter what, you know? Um, yeah. And this isn't necessarily the direct message from the song, but something that I like was hoping some people would pull from the song is, um, uh, you are going to fucking die. Uh, and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, no matter what, no scientist is going to find out mortality while you're alive. They're not going to figure it out. You're going to fucking die. And you have no idea what's going to happen yeah. to you. <laughs> and you and have no idea when either. You don't know when. Yeah. It could be this week. It could be yeah. right after you listen to this, viewer. Uh, but uh, kind of the point is like, like what are you going to do about it? Like, what are you going to do while you can? Because after it's done, you can't. You know, like, yeah. like you need to do whatever you're going to do right now. And if it's contributing, contributing like to the world positively, like good on you. Cause like, that's what I'm trying to fucking do. Uh, and if, if you're a piece of shit, like, fuck you. But like, uh, <laughs> like, uh, like that's kind of the message of the song is just like, like, well, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I don't care. Like, you don't need to know like what your career is going to be. I'm not like telling you to go to college or something, but like, know like what your morals are and like, like live by them god damn it like don't mm-hmm. like don't like sell yourself you know sh- don't sell yourself short you know like you are capable of so many beautiful amazing yeah. acts of kindness and like you can contribute to the world in so many like more like more ways than you think positively and like in a big way and uh and you can't do that when you're fucking dead and you don't know when you're gonna die so just yeah. just, just go for it just fucking do it yeah you know just like do something good for somebody yeah, and like choosing to live with meaning because like, I, I mean, I think we've all struggled at times with uh, the feeling of life being more meaningless. But I think when you make the intent to make it meaningful, that like, it's just, you can you can sort of latch onto that. And I think that song is like one of those things that reminds me of that meaning behind everything. It's like, why why are we doing everything, you know? Um, we are all adults sitting in our own filth, feeling like we're a burden of the people we love. But like, but like, sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes you're just like sitting in your own shit because uh, we all do it. Uh, and you just need to, you know, like I'm, I'm not giving you like an online email advertisement, Ty Lopez pep talk right now. But like, <laughs> but like, like, I don't know. Like, like go like do something that's fulfilling to you. Like. Like, if you don't want to be a lawyer, don't let your parents make you a lawyer. Go, go do your music. Go paint a picture. Go, I don't know, like, if you're really interested in lumber, go work at a lumber yard. You know, like, just do what makes you happy and do yeah. what you think, uh, you know, because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Uh, like, like, I don't know. Like, I don't care about, like, the profits of, like, a corporation. Like, I just make people happy and the people around me happy. And I want to make people people's lives way easier so they can do those things you know that's just like the whole thing it's just like do your thing uh uh because you can and if you think you can't i don't know do it anyway it's scary things are scary well i think that's a that's a perfect place 
to uh, wrap up Cosmic, and I think we've we've done a great job um, talking with you guys and and uh, really breaking down what the, this album's about. And I really want to give you guys. Um, I, first, I want to say thank you for coming on and, and talking about Cosmic all together. And I want to give you guys a chance. Um, do you have uh, social media and, and stuff you like to plug here? Uh, I know we're in a global pandemic, like we mentioned earlier. Um, but yeah, no, please plug everything you got going on. Okay, well, we're working on our new record, and that should be out sometime this year. I'm not making any promises of, like, like month or anything, but we're working on it, hopefully 2020, we're thinking. Um, and then uh, our Facebook is NervousMA, like Facebook slash. Um, we have an Instagram. I think we're going to try to get better at updating it. It's not as active as our Facebook, uh, but that's NervousMA uh, on Instagram, I think, as well. Um, our... Uh, yeah, our Bandcamp is is nervousma.bandcamp, and we, oh, uh, I think that's all of our links because there's no shows coming up uh, because yeah. like the world's ending. But like, um, <laughs> we have uh, one thing I wanted to mention is uh, the pun, the pun nobody's brought up. Uh, uh, our album cover is a neuron, like you know, like the nervous system, like nervous. Oh, okay. That's the part where you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a light bulb go off a moment. I had to get through before I could laugh. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. That's, <laughs> nice. As long as that's the moral of the story. Yeah. yeah. And that was, that was mostly Molly's doing, right? Molly. That was Molly. Molly yeah. went to her, uh, went to the hospital because she like works and like goes to, was in pre-med school and all this. But um, uh, she got like a hundred slides of like microscope shots and like sent them the email. I was like, which one? And then we all like, you know, to say like the same one. So yeah. Oh, that, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So she like actually went to the hospital and like met up with a doctor and got a bunch of slide samples for us. For the, and they, if you have a physical of the record, there's a lot more of the slide samples all over the physicals. Well, uh, thank you guys again so much. And um, please be on the lookout for uh, nervous wherever you can, uh, find them. Uh, we'll have links on our website, esotericathepodcast.com, to your Bandcamp, so yeah, everyone can buy the album there. Um, you know, you're doing nothing else during this pandemic, so give them a listen if you haven't already. Um, it's, it's totally worth it. Um, so thank you guys again, and uh, we hope to be talking to you guys soon. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And if anybody likes any of the specific tracks off the record, um, me, Owen, and Matt all have solo music that are incredibly similar. Uh, so like Owen Korzik, Matt Minigal, Justin Arena, we all have solo records out, and uh, hopefully we're going to be seeing Molly Garrity, uh, new album 2020. Uh, <laughs> she's going to kill me for saying that. All right, goodbye, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much. Right. Thank you guys so much. So we've come to that point in the podcast where we have to wrap things up. Uh, <laughs> anyway. um, don't forget to check us out on our website, esotericathepodcast.com. We have episodes out weekly on Wednesdays. Um, next week, Chris, what are we going to be looking at? Next week, we are going to take a listen to the Residence album, Wormwood. So that uh, that should be interesting. Mm. I'm looking forward to it. So again, check us out Wednesdays at midnight. Our new episodes are dropped, esotericofthepodcast.com. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.